One Time Run Podcast. Hey everyone, I'd like to welcome you to the first episode of the One Time Run Podcast. I'm Jesse Corey, co-founder and CEO of One Time Run. One Time Run is a publisher of fine art prints, and since 2010, we have published over 2,500 editions. And we have also produced five years of murals on the market, an arts festival right here in downtown Detroit. At the beginning, the genesis, the idea, why we started One Time Run was to collaborate with the artist whom we loved and to create something special, a tangible product in a digital age, one that transcends the computer screen, carrying a bit of the artist's passion with it, for anyone to collect. In this show, we sit down with artists, musicians, and passionate collectors from all walks of life to talk about the art that fills their own walls and how it informs their day-to-day. Today, we take you inside the studio of contemporary artist Pat Perry. Pat is an artist and muralist whose art takes a darker look at the American experience. We caught up with him at his studio on Detroit's east side, just before he headed to Tokyo for a solo exhibition at Murakami's Hadari Zingaro Gallery. Stick around after that for The Rundown, where we catch up with curator Greg Cummins to discuss our Black History Month collection. So we are here today with Pat. Pat's a neighbor, collaborator, and friend who we've worked on a bunch of projects with uh, over the years and kind of set us up. Where are we today? Oh, we are in my living room, uh, east side of Detroit here. Uh, Got the wood stove going and uh, toothbrush the dog is hanging out. And uh, yeah, we're, we're doing a podcast. Here we are. So tell me a little bit about when you moved here and, and kind of how your transition um, to Detroit and, and, and how those stories kind of come together. Yeah. Well, that'll definitely have to do about collecting stuff. Uh, I pretty much had nothing when I came here uh, and then was living place to place. I mean, I spent most of my early 20s kind of traveling around. Like, I didn't really have like a home base. I was just kind of uh, living places in short spans or just traveling. And then when I got to Detroit, I was here for a few months and then I didn't really want to pay rent anywhere. So I bought this old trailer. that's like a little 16 foot trailer that's in the backyard now and was living in that. So I had, you know, just like some clothes and enough stuff to fill this trailer. But uh, then bought a house three years ago and I've been fixing that up. And because the house was in such rough shape when we started, I think I've just amassed a ton of tools and uh a bunch of stuff to try to make it at home. So that's pretty much where all this stuff has come from. Now I have two couches and a water heater and, uh, you know, all the all the things you need to make a house. So tell me, in 2015, I think it was, that we were working on the first murals in the market and you were working with Monica Cantola on her mural. Mm-hmm. We met around that time. Um, yeah. And then that how long had you been in, in Detroit at that point, or were you living here at, oh, at then? Probably maybe two years. Maybe, yeah, about two years. Uh, yeah, so that was pretty funny. Uh, I wanted to do some bigger murals, but I needed, you know, it's kind of, there's kind of that wall to get into doing that where you need someone to help you uh, find a way to get the equipment to get up high. And, uh, you know, before that, I was just doing stuff with like pretty much as far as I could reach with a roller or something. But, uh, yeah, so I wanted to do the painting with Monica because it was just a chance to get a bunch of free paint to do whatever you wanted on this wall. And then, 
got to do another one and another one and yeah you guys were real real important in that whole the whole way that that started for me and i think one of the first conversations that we had was i think you had booked a show in italy or something and you were like <laughs> i'm working out of this little camper and this yeah. is where i'm living and i don't yeah. you don't really have space so yeah we had this warehouse and you started making the work in the warehouse i think you were there for about a year weren't you uh maybe like eight months yeah it was like it was like a full winter of working in that space and that like storage space next door but i kept telling people i was working in your storage space but it was way nicer than a than it sounds there's like these beautiful windows on two of the walls maybe three of them you know like all this natural light and uh just super quiet in there so yeah got to have the sweet spot to make those giant paintings and yeah you know i just watched that work kind of come together and saw all these stories develop um just over time and so what I saw was that there was these stories developing within these characters and this time and place. Can you kind of set that up a little bit about background about that uh, body of work? Well, it was it was about a dozen paintings in the end and they were pretty big. Like they were all maybe around six feet wide, you know, six by four or something like that. And I just wanted to do a bunch of big paintings for a long time, but I didn't have the space to do it. So I was pretty much when I was traveling a bunch, just working in a sketchbook. And so once I was finally in a place long enough, I just wanted to do some, some bigger paintings, but yeah, I, I don't know. I've always tried to put stuff in the paintings. that's from my life and take things that are just from what's around me, you know, like, uh, it's kind of a weird, weird thing to figure out you know, you don't want to make stuff. You don't want to, you want to just kind of let stuff come out. That's, that's what's going in, you know? So I don't know. I just try to pick things that were familiar to me, you know, and maybe not so much about just Detroit, you know, Detroit has its own kind of persona, but just about uh, growing up in Grand Rapids too and the Midwest. And yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird too, because you don't want to be in some respects, you don't want to be like a regional artist, but I think also you want to pay attention to where you are, you know, and that, that sometimes is the best way to make a metaphor for something bigger than to try to say it all, you know, just to focus on some smaller, smaller pieces of the puzzle. So do you, are you assembling these ideas as you kind of go about in your travels? Or are you pulling from your imagination? Like where are these collection of different items like this painting here we're looking at the tv with a smiley face and a kind of a beat up chair and a discarded couch and it looks like it's in a somewhat of a dump or maybe yeah. just discarded on the yeah. side of the road but that like, was like a real pile from uh pontiac where we were dirt biking uh yeah we were like dirt biking on those dirt hills that are in the back of the painting and uh yeah, I feel like it's kind of from travels, but now, especially in the past few years, traveling more, traveling, you know, to different countries, it's it's less from that. And it's still more from like uh, smaller trips or like driving home to see my sister, or my parents, you know, or like so traveling maybe, but just things that could be kind of anywhere. I tried to make most of the paintings look like you w didn't really know exactly where they were, but they were somewhere maybe in the U.S. Right. I mean, they definitely have a very domestic feel to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I thought was interesting as as we kind of pulled up and, and got out and I've, I've been over here a handful of times is um, the scarecrows that are outside and you kind of preference them. Well, they're not necessarily scarecrows, but they're um, kind of these figures and they feel like some of the figures that appear in your paintings. Like, is the painting then becoming this sculpture and is, is it kind of yeah, like I they're mean, playing with each other? I'm not trying to think about it as, a, as too much of, a, you know, as a 
as a really official art project or anything. I'm just kind of doing them for fun. But I've, yeah, I'm just trying to make these things that have been happening in the paintings happen in real life too, you know? So trying to just see what that does or what that looks like, you know? Uh, a lot of painting ends up being like taking things out of real life and putting them, you know, into a, into a flat surface. So trying to kind of do the opposite or like bring them to life. But yeah, I've been working on all these things that are like, uh, pictures of performers and people performing. And so I've been on a real tirade about that or kind of, that's what all the drawings and paintings have been. And then also those, yeah, those weird sculptural people in the yard, but yeah, they're all supposed to be making performances kind of about the internet or about uh, things, the ways the world's changed in the past 20 years or ways our like personal lives have changed. But I'm not really trying to make like and form like an analysis on, on what's going on or what I think the problems are, like what my opinions are about it. I just think it's cool to make a, like an imaginary picture of people figuring it out or trying to figure it out. So it's more just supposed to be people making this like grandiose performance you know, proclaiming that they figured it out and like, if that's even possible, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't really, I'm not sure I really think it is, but <laughs> there's no real answer. Yeah. There's no real question. Yeah. Well, there's real questions, but, uh, I don't know. We all just kind of make these stories to help understand where, you know, how we see the world and who's, who's to blame for what and why things are the way they are. And, you know, people have a lot of strong opinions about the these days, I would say, but, uh, yeah, so it's just one one version of that. So you're here in the house, and you've kind of been settled, settling in, and and making work here, and creating, and just living. Um, and a, one of the conversations that we had uh, a couple weeks ago was just about collecting and collecting stuff, and and kind of the eye of the collector, and 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 putting things in your environment that make you that either serve as a purpose or have some sort of a nostalgia. Um, can you just kind of give, give us a little feel of like, what are the, some of the things that have you've found to be a necessity um, to your um, world yeah. here? Yeah. I mean, if I look around at what's in the house or all the stuff that I have in here, it's like I said before, you know, it's a little, it's a little dis disconcerting to see all this stuff and have to imagine, you know, what if I had to like move, anytime soon this would be a lot of a lot of stuff to haul and box up but uh yeah I try to just have stuff around that's mostly useful I feel like yeah I would describe myself as a failed minimalist like I would like to have basically nothing but uh when I look around all these things seem important um but it's mostly just things you know a chair to sit in uh a fan to blow the air on the stove uh things like that you know and do you find <laughs> that your aesthetic uh things that you're attracted to um somehow are living a parallel life to reality and the art that you create? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, especially the decorative stuff that I have or the, you know, things hanging on the walls. A lot of it has just personal significance, you know? I think it's less about, like, things that I think just look really cool, but things that have a special meaning to me. Like, I have my grandma's spoon rack, and Rosemary did these stained glass pieces that are in the window, and, like, the rugs are from Iraq, from that trip to Iraq. And my friend made that that woodblock cut you know so it's things mainly that remind me of people that that are in my life and yeah they also just happen to make really pretty things so I'm lucky for that yeah yeah for sure I mean I see you have one of Amy Fisher Price's flags yeah. here 
yeah. and her flags have 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 there been any have the flags appeared in in your art or are there flags uh, their flags have any sort of symbolism that you think is feels like it plays through with what amy's been doing yeah i mean well amy and i are just buds you know so pretty much like my relationship to amy's flags is i'll go you know maybe help her take a photo or try to hang one up in a weird place you know so it's just fun to do little missions like that you know and then she she's you know, been nice enough to give us a couple of them. And so, yeah, we're real proud of those. But yeah, it's just been fun to watch her grow, you know, and we, it's nice to have other peers and like, you know, my roommate Eric too, like we just, people that kind of talk about ideas and it's kind of like a, a test group before you feel comfortable enough to put something out in the world. You can talk to other people whose opinions you value and see what they think about it, you know, and they can also tell you if something's real hokey or doesn't really get the point across or just seems like too, you know, obvious or cliche or you know so amy and i have had a lot of back and forth about that yeah it's amazing and i think a lot of us that live here in detroit can recognize that most of the homes that we live in are now cresting 100 years old yeah which in the grand scheme of things doesn't seem like that old but it does feel there's a sense of craftsmanship that we're duly connected to very closely and also also super weird to live in a house that has a dozen lots around it, you know, six lots on every side with no houses left. And this is the one house that somehow lasted. And also to walk outside and run the dogs in the yard and be having a fire or gardening and knowing that all the land underneath you used to be someone's home. It's creepy. Also, when we were digging up dirt a couple weeks ago to plant some more trees, we found pieces and a cornerstone from the Polish hall. Like just just underneath the surface of all the dirt, you, you find all this weird stuff. And this used to be a crowded, super compact neighborhood. Now it looks like a farm. It's super weird. Like uh, I think it's a really kind of, it's almost haunted, you know, like um, just knowing that there's that much of the past that got erased. And then so I guess it makes you value the part that's left. And I just feel super happy that this house didn't, go to hell, you know? And yeah, we're grateful for that. And I think it's also exciting to be using it. Like I think if this house was vacant for another few years, it probably would have just been too damaged, you know, it would have been damaged beyond repair. So it feels like you kind of brought something back from the dead. Yeah. And I think that's something that I've, I've been to this house uh, half a dozen times or so over the course of, of the last couple of years. And every time I notice that it progresses and the work that you do and the care and love that you've given to it, um, it also plays a, a role in some of your work, which is which is interesting um, to me. And I know we had dealt with this a couple of years ago with the mural that we did on Gratiot, where um, the the reporter from the um, from the newspaper was really concerned and wanted to know who was yeah. who were the people that were featured. Yeah, who were the subjects? Yeah. It was really quite contentious. We didn't really know how well, to deal with that. I I was okay with it, and I mean, this is a little. You know, this is a little far from collecting, but this is a it's pretty important story like about, you know, at the time. OK, so the painting on Grasha is two of my neighbors and two of my neighbors that have been really, really nice to us and have been real staples of the neighborhood for a few decades. And uh, the reporter wanted to interview them and they I didn't feel like they would necessarily want to be interviewed. I I. They were lucky enough to get, or I was lucky enough that they gave me permission to paint this four story picture of them, which is pretty invasive. You know, that's a right. And, and I thought, you know, it would be kind of this homage to these people that had been in the neighborhood. And luckily it was, and they, they really, really liked it. I think it meant a lot to both of them. Uh, but you know, oh, now 
people want to do an interview, you know, like the, the TV cameras are coming over, you know, and it's like a 15 minute little bit. But still, I didn't want to put that on them. If You know, I didn't want to assume that they wanted that. So at the time it was hard. And we did come back around and do interviews with them because after the painting was done, they felt real, uh, you know, excited about it and, and they felt happy to do it. Right. But but Naomi, the lady in the mural, just passed away in the springtime. And it was it was really quite a moving uh, kind of moment. When she she passed, uh, her whole family invited us to the memorial service and the funeral, which is over on McDougal. And then uh, Eric and Ben Wolf and I went to the funeral, and uh, we just look ridiculous in shirts and ties because we look like ex cons, you know, that are like trying to dress up. But we we went to the funeral, and uh, and they uh, they like the the priest made me stand up, and like uh, they they were like the, the painters here who did the mural, but I got to talk to to all of Naomi's family and it was just real real sweet and now her grandkids and all her her kids still live in the neighborhood and they they talk about it all the time and her her son comes over a lot and they're just I think super thankful that it got to happen and I'm thankful to them that you know they helped me with the idea and yeah so it's really important so I don't know yeah that's kind of a personal thing you know it's it's every it's thousands of people driving by it but it's also these people's lives you don't want to feel like you're exploiting them you know how important was it to really to do that work of art and to, to put those stories together and make those connections. It felt, it felt important to me to do those kind of portraits here in a place where I, you know, where I know the people, uh, I haven't been as much interested in going to a place far away and doing portraits of people where you only have maybe a few days to get to know what's going on there, but in a place where I feel pretty settled and, and, uh, tied to, you know, uh, it felt like a good, good place to do that for sure. And do you find that, I mean, that's a very emotional, very close to the chest, something that you live with every day. They're your yeah, neighbors. Yeah. Um, do you find that in your work that you're trying to collect stories and then tell stories? Or um, is it more of just uh, a reflection of maybe things that you've uh, experienced? Yeah, but I think that the whole, everyone has a story. It's not that it's not that I want to tell a story. It's that I want to say, hey, part of part of being a human being is that you make up a story. And all these stories are so flawed and seen through your, your one lens that you have, you know. And I think the interesting thing is like the struggle to make a coherent story out of something that is so hard to understand and super short. You know, like uh, I like watching people try to do that and not belittling people's different uh, opinions and stories they come up with because they're different than yours or because uh, they are all somewhat flawed. I mean, I'm sure mine is, you know, but to just hold it a little bit lighter, like, yeah, I have an idea of why things are this way. I have an idea of why Detroit is this way, about what the problems are with the country, about uh, why my neighbors in this situation, you know, but like all of that is just one, one little piece of it. I think, you know, you have to hold it lightly, I think. And you find that, um, it's interesting that you're saying that you're not really trying to capture um, people in different cities in the same essence, because this is a little bit more personal, something that's close to home. But I know you've been traveling a lot lately, and and a lot of your work has to do with characters and portraits and, and people and places. Um, you just like... Uh, oh, maybe- it's changed so much. I mean... The way I'm coming at it now, I think, has changed a lot and is so much more... Con- I feel more confused now than I ever have. I think if you would have asked me five years ago what to do, I would have told you, you need to make a piece that makes a strong statement and says something important politically. But I think that's 
it's more confusing than that and it's more nuanced than that i think that when you go to a different place uh i was just so dumb about what i thought and how i what i thought the function of art was i think now i think about it a lot differently like um it's not you're not making you're not trying to teach someone something necessarily you're trying to make something that's a little more open-ended which sounds like a scapegoat or like you're just trying to say that you don't want to make a strong you know you could say that's reactionary or something but i don't think so like i think it's this perfect you just got to ride this perfect line you know you got to leave it open and have someone be able to find meaning in it but not feel like you preached something at them or told them what to think about it you know uh yeah, so it's, it's kind of like when you're it's hard. It's I don't know. <laughs> well, you're at an art show and somebody says, well, what does this one mean? And, and some artists yeah. will say, hey, it means X, Y and Z. And some will say it doesn't really have a meaning or or some will say it's, it's meant for the viewer to come up with yeah. a meaning. But because you don't explain the meaning doesn't mean it doesn't have a meaning like it's. Sometimes someone will give you the explanation or you'll read a lengthy art, artist statement, you know, and it'll just kind of like take the magic away like. I think sometimes it's good to kind of separate yourself, take yourself out of the picture a little bit, you know, like um, have have the work and have how people receive it, you know, like the things people have taken out of this mural on Gratiot are so different than people think it's about the Underground Railroad and all this stuff that it wasn't originally about. But it's also they're not wrong, you know, or that marching band mural too. people have told me uh, I've talked to I talked to a group of school kids and the the things they thought it was about were way amazing you know but totally not like exactly what i had in mind but you know yeah um when we talked about um the marching band mural um we i think you were still in the warehouse there um working on this body of work and you had said that uh you had pitched the idea to a group and they um they weren't really sure yeah. because it was about the oil industry and stuff like that. So they weren't were a little, little shy about it, maybe. Yeah, well, that one did have like somewhat of a social commentary. And I'm definitely not saying that I'm, I'm over that. Like there's a time you just got to be you got to do the ballet dance and you got to you got to hit a hard punch when it's time and when you know it's the right thing to do. But yeah, I mean, that obviously was like a or I mean, it seems pretty, pretty right in your face that it's kind of a a, a picture about, you know, uh the oil age and that kind of coming to a coming to a close or like what what direction we're headed in you know if we like stay the course that we're on now uh but yeah it was something weird it was in it was in richmond and there was some sponsors of that mural that had clients that were like connected to the auto industry or something i don't know but they asked me to change it or not to do it and you know you really gotta kind of have some integrity with that and try to stick to your guns and not I wasn't going to change it, you know, well, I maybe I could have painted something different, but you know, it's not, I, I definitely don't think it's a good move to want to just, just change it the way, or, you know, just make it a completely different message. What's the point then? I mean, I love the fact that like as a curator or as like a person who is involved in the lives of artists is to have a casual conversation, somebody to express uh, a feeling or emotion, yeah. um, this is the next piece of artwork that they need to create. And then for us, like, especially it, with what we do in, in Easter market was that um, there's really no rules, you know, we yeah. could just do whatever we wanted and, and to be a, a, a place to say, yeah, you know, let's, let's do that next idea. 
um, feels like really liberating. Yeah, and it is, but that also means not just to have no rules as in like you can do something bold and and uh, edgy, you know, but it's like that's what that's what seems so ubiquitous now is like everything is bold, everything is edgy, like make a statement, you know, make this strong proclamation, you know, like the harder thing I've found is just trying to make stuff that's about something that's harder to put your finger on and that's quieter and doesn't seem so... Uh, just like knee jerk, you know, uh, these things that like are harder to articulate, you know, and to find uh, people that are willing to pay attention to something that isn't isn't so loud, but is it's it's crucial to understand, you know, uh, that's difficult. Yeah, it's a, it seems difficult, at least. But yeah, people are I've, I've been lucky to work with a lot of really great curators that have have kind of trusted me to try to weave those things together. And today, here we are in the living room at Pat's house, and we're, um, you know, getting, we're surrounded by these large wood crates. Uh, where are they going? What What's the artwork? Uh, give, give us a, like a little um, update on that. Doing a show in Tokyo, January 20th, I think is the opening, or late January. Uh, but it's um, Hidari Zangaro. Gallery, which is Takashi Murakami, one of Takashi Murakami's smaller galleries, and so it's going to be four paintings and a bunch of drawings that are uh, all of these different recitals of people putting on these performances. So that's pretty much what most of the drawings are, plus a few of these paintings from the show at the UICA. Yeah, nice. Well, I mean, I uh, appreciate you taking time to um, sit down with me today. Um, I know we're just a couple blocks away from the studio here. So we're uh, we're gonna wrap it up, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. Yeah, great, thank you. Thanks again to Pat Perry for meeting up with us at his studio. I'm here with my partner and co-founder of One Time Run, Dan Armand. Dan is our chief creative director, and over the last 12 years, has taught me quite a bit about collecting. Yeah, it's really great to be here and finally doing our first ever podcast. Um, I think it's kind of crazy to think we've been doing this for, you know, over a decade and um, really excited to kind of de- dive deeper and share some of the the stories about collecting and artists um, with everyone. In working with Pat over the years, it's really been inspiring. The murals that he's created here in Eastern Market for our festival, Murals in the Market, have had quite an impact on our city. I mean, what are your thoughts working with Pat? I mean, I've, I've always been a huge fan of Pat's work. I mean, I think it comes from a, a really authentic place. And I mean, aside from being an amazing talent, I think um, he has a way of really bringing these experiences that he has that are really um, kind of far out there from the mainstream and really kind of capturing those moments in his artwork. And I've always found it really fascinating. So it was great to get a little insight here, um, kind of into his process and um, his work. And I think the use of the radio format is going to be really revealing to us as we move through this series, because it gives us an opportunity to ask deeper questions that we might not get in a traditional conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited at this uh, this format and being able to dive deeper into these stories um, and really kind of just have a natural conversation and get to the root of kind of why people collect and why people make art and the, the balance and the relationship that those two have with each other. And before we wrap up, we'll be welcoming a guest in each episode for The Rundown. We'll be taking an inside look at our current projects and the people that bring them to life. Right now, we have Greg Cummins on the line. Hey, thanks for having me. 
We've been collaborating together for nearly a decade, and we're celebrating Black History Month with a series of editions by African-American artists that you've curated called Most of My Heroes Don't Appear on No Stamps. Can you tell us a little bit about the artists that you've selected to participate in this collection and why you chose this title? Oh, yeah. The, um, the title came from... Uh... A Chuck D song, Fight the Power. <laughs> Big fan of the song, and um, that that just resonated with me because when I think of Black History Month, um, you know, I just think I just think you know we're all, always underrepresented. So this was like a chance to um, give some emerging artists some shine. Um, as, as of recently, I've just been coming up across some extreme talent. I think everybody in this run is uh, pretty, pretty incredible. Um, well, Greg, you've been, you've been curating um, exhibitions for, you know, as long as I've known you. And why this uh, format for the stamp? Um, just, just a little, a little, a little different. Um, I've done uh, like laser cutout stuff before. And uh, people have been receptive to just the, uh, the just the idea of something, something a little a little different, um, and uh, it feels like uh, it feels collectible. It goes with the whole, you know, stamps are collectible, prints are collectible, art is collectible. So uh, just a little play on on the collectible thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this was a really cool. Um, concept that you brought to the table. And I think, you know, one of the reasons we, we really enjoy working with you over the years is uh, kind of the collaborations that, that happen in, you know, you bringing this theme to us and, and really us um, coming up with a process and a product that is totally unique to something we've done before and really kind of captures the essence of the collection. I think what what we've done with the die cut and really cutting these prints out and making them into these really oversized, awesome stamps, I think uh, kind of truly captures the message that you're trying to get across through the show. Oh, no, I, I, I'm excited. I, I, I appreciate y'all. I'm, I'm glad uh, you guys uh, thought it was thought it was dope enough to get behind it. <laughs> and I mean, ha half of the stuff is not as... Uh, as literal as you, 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 you would think like, you know, there's the obvious stuff, the, the civil, civil, civil rights leaders and pop culture people. But at the end of the day, I, I really want to shine light on, um, African-American fine artists, um, and, 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 and their role. So if it's an ongoing thing, uh, I'd, I'd love to, to shine more light on, on, uh, that industry specific contribution. <laughs> well, Greg, we want to thank you for joining us today and let's uh let's look forward to how this collection's going to roll out through the month of February. Oh, cool. Thanks again for having me. Thanks for the support. Hey, thanks a lot, Greg. To dive deeper into this episode, we have posted a series of Pat's murals and photos from his home studio along with an in-depth interview with Greg Cummins on news.1xrun.com. Keep an eye out for our next episode, featuring James Dozier, a prolific collector from Detroit, and we talk with Alyssa Mullen from our team about our next major collection for International Women's Day. The One Time Run podcast is produced and engineered by Connor Anderson with support from Red Bull Arts Detroit. 
Thanks for listening to this episode. 